Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Welcome, everybody. You have found the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen. I'm the Director of Pastoral Services here for the Archdiocese of Omaha, here with my co-host, Father Jeff Lorig. Father, how you doing? I'm doing really well. Good to be with all of you. Likewise, likewise. This is going to be a fun conversation today. If you are not already a subscriber for the EquipCast, you can find us on all the major platforms, EquipCast, all one word. And if you are interested in the show notes afterwards, you can find them on our blog, equip.archomaha.org. Just head over there, equip.archomaha.org. You can find show notes, you can find blog articles, and if you subscribe there, you'll get both notices every time we release a new episode and all the other goodies that are hiding there. Yeah, there's just been a lot of really good podcasts, and we're seeing our growth in listeners uh, every month. It's just growing and growing. So thank you yeah, for, for thank listening. Thank you, everybody. And- thank you and share them. You know, we're not going to ask you to, to make a, a review or anything like that on uh, iTunes if you don't want to, because we're not really looking to expand beyond you know, our own archdiocese. But if you do find something helpful and you're a DRE uh, in a parish, director of religious education, and you've got a friend down the street who does the same thing, feel free to share it. This is how we might proclaim the gospel in a way, to share the good news, mm-hmm. but, to, but really just to assist to each other and to, to walk with one another on this journey of being on mission, of sharing the good news of Jesus with the good people of Omaha and the archdiocese of Omaha, Northeast Nebraska. Yeah, it helps us. We begin to know as you guys share episodes, what your needs are and what resonates with you. So yeah, thank you. Y'all been really kind at sharing the word and and subscribing. All right, Father. So what are we talking about today? Well, I think we're just going to get into brass tacks here. All right. As I sort of prefaced at the beginning, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, being on this journey together, sharing best practices. Well, it really comes down to how do you disciple another person? How do you really walk with somebody just in the real normal life stuff? Because I'll often ask people at mass, I'll give a great homily as always. Every time. And I'll kind of say, go and announce the gospel of the Lord. And they all say, how? But no, they say, they say, <laughs> Thanks be to God. And thanks be to God. That's somebody else's job. That oh, we're gonna let Father do that. But no, I, I always I feel bad when I send them out because I think, well, mm-hmm. do they know how to do that? Do I know how to do that? How do you actually go and announce the gospel of the Lord? Everyday sort of preaching, as Pope Francis says mm-hmm. at the end of what what document was that that he wrote? The joy of the gospel. Joy of the gospel. Evangelii Gaudium. Yeah, he really calls on Catholics to do the everyday preaching. I'm lucky. I get to wear a collar around everywhere. So it's kind of easy for me to like, you know, I wear the t-shirt. Yeah, it's a nice conversation starter. Yeah. Hey, hey, Father, which parish you're at? Actually, it does happen on a regular basis where you go to the grocery store with your clerics on and people do want to talk about faith. It's better mm. when you go to a wedding reception and uh, you're wearing your collar and you sort of have the drunk people there. Then they all want to talk, Father, <laughs> I got to talk to you. I don't know if that's the best everyday preaching, but there is sort of an advantage of being able to walk around with a collar on and being the guy. And also I get to preach. I really mm-hmm. get to preach to people every day. I get to visit classrooms. I run Alpha at our parishes here at St. Joan of Arc and St. Thomas mm-hmm. More. And we had our first session last night for this year. And quite honestly, my first time as a pastor running Alpha and running my own group. And it's a big moment for me because, okay, that's easy. That's the context. 
I kind of live in a nice context where I can yeah. do everyday preaching, but not everybody else is part of that. And I think it's hard. And, and Jim, you're going to teach us how to do it. Yeah. Oh, Father, I think that word context, I think that's the key thing because, you know, there's all sorts of reasons that we can find it challenging to talk in a clear and explicit way about the joy and the relationship we found with Jesus. But I think the biggest one is context. For sure, sometimes we need uh, a little renewal and kind of boost in our own faith and a renewed encounter so that we're reminded of what the Lord has done for us. But I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The biggest challenge is context. And that's that's half the blessing of, you know, if you're part of a retreat movement or if you're running like a youth ministry or you're a DRE, if you're a priest, like the scenarios we find ourselves in, whether it's, again, on a retreat or in like an alpha program, a small group Bible study, it creates a context the harder part is like, gosh, when I don't have that context, how do I start the conversation? And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, actually, I think Pope Francis is right. I think we are called to a kind of everyday preaching in conversation, in relationship, where we really share the good news. I think that's weird, though. I'll just be honest. I'm a Catholic priest, but I like <laughs> just being that... So maybe it's maybe I'm weird. I don't know. You're not the but only one. We have this idea of like the Bible thumpers and like, you know, mm-hmm. like goodness, kind of annoying and weird. And, and uh, it's a great way to lose friends. Well, it used to be the only way you could get your own row in an air, you know, air, air, airline. You like sit down next to somebody on a Southwest flight and you're like, hey, do you want to talk about Jesus? And suddenly you have the whole row to yourself. Easier now. You just start coughing. <laughs> right. As much as I believe Pope Francis and I believe you. I think uh, it's not all that easy, and I, especially in today's context, even the context of 2020 and, and really, a, I would say, a post-Christian era. I mean, right now you have the, the Falwell guy from Liberty University. You know, he's the fall man for sure. I don't know what sort of... Yeah, that's really helpful, isn't he? Yeah, so you sort of have this prominent evangelical, and, mm-hmm. and, and I know there's good our good brothers and sisters in the evangelical world. But the image of sort of the Bible thumping people, like, oh, this Falwell guy, and, you know, not really living the life that maybe you would expect of a Christian. And there's a caricature of a, a Bible thumper, or like, you're going to go around and talk about Jesus. And, and so I, again, I just, I struggle when I send people out, like, well, is it just maybe just preach the gospel at all times? And when necessary, use words, don't, maybe you don't have to use words, maybe you just got to smile and hold doors for people. Is that how you preach the gospel, Jim? Well, So, I mean, first, I have to totally affirm, like, I had and really still have the same kind of aversion to that that way of sharing the gospel. Not that God doesn't occasionally use it, but I mean, I don't know if I've I've ever told you the story when I, I punched my roommate. Like, I just accepted my job as a focused missionary, and I excitedly told my roommate, and he's like, oh... You're not going to be one of those people walking around talking about Jesus, are you? <laughs> so you I was like, him. Yeah, I was like, how dare you? Which, you know, it's like, that's actually not a bad job description for a missionary. <laughs> it's just, I think he was imagining the really awkward, annoying context. Uh, and so was I. <laughs> and I was actually kind of offended at the thought. Uh, I think fundamentally when it comes down to it, there's some relational prerequisites 
that need to be in place. So what I am not envisioning, and again, God bless those who have the gift for that. I'm not talking primarily about like street corner ministry. I'm not talking about, you know, that I just met someone or kind of the weird like, hi, I don't know you. But I think the Lord has a message for you. Again, that I, I believe that that happens and, you know, and, and that occasionally bears fruit. But I think in the context that we started here with Pope Francis, the kind of everyday preaching, I, I think what is implied in that is relationship. So I've got four prerequisites that I would suggest here before you set out to intentionally have a conversation about Jesus with a friend. There's some relational prerequisites, but I'll actually like spoiler alert on this. If you care, meaning if you're worried, it's like, gosh, I don't want to say the wrong thing at the wrong time and ruin my friendship. You're probably going to be fine. I don't think the people that stand on street corners with megaphones do not lose any sleep whatsoever wondering if they're going to offend people or if they're going to damage relationships. It never crosses their mind. <laughs> so so if you're actually attentive to that, you probably don't need these, but I'll give you these four prerequisites anyway. Okay, number one, you need to have a real relationship with trust and respect. And typically, you know, in, in human relationships, it takes some time to earn that. Sometimes that can come very quickly. You're based off common experiences and background. It doesn't have to take a long time, but having some sort of real relationship with trust and respect, I think is prerequisite number one. Let's put it in the context. I get, and I always go back to my last parish in Creighton. And that is, and I do think about certain people and certain individuals of, you know, there's one thing to have a program and you can invite people to a program. Right. But then there's just other people, you know, they're not in your church, but you sit next to them at the bleacher or, you know, you, maybe you went to high school together and then now your mom's with the kids yeah. in the same school. And, but you, you know, that person doesn't go to church. They don't know Jesus or maybe as far as we know, they don't. And you, you would want them to have some sort of relationship with Jesus. And, you know, like inviting to mass is not really the right thing to do. And maybe alpha is, but you know, but really it's just kind of a, you've never really. Right. Well, maybe your parish doesn't have alpha or real access to CEC or anything like that. So are you stuck? I mean, I think this is why these habits and the method that I want to suggest as a way to get started, that's why they're so important. They're especially helpful if you have a context like, oh, we're sending our kids to religious education together, or we're on a retreat, or we're doing alpha. When you don't have that context, it is admittedly harder, but it's not like the Holy Spirit can't work without those contexts. But in this sense, you're really just talking about, number one, you have a real relationship. A real relationship. So there should probably be some small talk. You know, maybe you shared a meal, something. It can vary. I'm not, I certainly don't want to say that you have to have been, you know, uh, what, what, what is that Anne of Green Gables? Bosom friends for 30 years. I can't believe I just said that. Like, <laughs> my wife will make fun of me for that. Okay, so you don't have to be like besties, but you do have to have some sort of real relationship with trust and respect. That's like step number one. Number two, you should probably be talking more to Jesus about this person than talking to this person about Jesus. Meaning the people who are ordinarily a part of your life should show up in your prayer, whether that's an after meal prayer where like our little family, that's where we remember our neighbors and people that we want to pray for. Or maybe it's part of your personal prayer time. Maybe there's some team intercession that happens, maybe remember after mass, however it looks, 
we don't want to start a conversation about Jesus with someone until we've talked to Jesus about this person. And first and foremost, that's because we don't want to put burdens on ourselves and assume the Lord wants something of us that perhaps he's not asking. I mean, you know, the angstiness to be fruitful for the gospel generally doesn't come from Jesus. And so when, when we're talking to Jesus, he tends to either immediately in our prayer or over the course of the days and, and weeks that ensue, he tends to show us what he's doing in our friends' lives and where he's inviting us. And that's, that is so reassuring because the burden that we can either put on ourselves or what we can miss to see what's going on in the hearts and lives and our friends, but we're, we'll miss opportunities because we're just not aware. And the Lord will gently make us aware and show us where he's asking us to help, if you will, if we're talking to him. So when you do begin to share Jesus, you're talking to them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've been talking to Jesus about them for a while and you get a sense that you're supposed to say something to them. Do you just sort of like, can I just, can I tell you about, my relationship with Jesus and just be all weird about like, how do you, how do you even broach that question? Yeah. Well, so there's two additional safety valves, if you will, that I think are really helpful, right? They're these relational prerequisites. The third one is you ask for permission to share with, and here's the magic, with the word sometime. So you're like, okay, I think Jesus kind of wants me to say something. So it's not like, okay, next time you're sitting on the sideline watching your kids play soccer and you're like, so uh, about Jesus, I'd start by saying something like, you know, would you mind if I share about my faith journey sometime? And there's something about the word sometime that takes a little bit of the edge off of the immediate. And it just, it it takes a little, it's not like now, now, what are you doing now? I know you want to watch your kid play forward, but come on, he's not going to score. Let's talk about Jesus. It just takes some of the edge off. Can we, can we just have the barbecue right now? Like I'm not really in the mood, but yeah, yeah, I guess sometime, sometime I'd be open to that. But yeah, what you were saying is like, you're just kind of opening up the door a little bit and again, not forcing anything on anybody. But I like that. Make sure you use the word sometime. Sometime. You don't so put so much pressure on, on that. Uh, yeah. That situation you're in. Yeah. And again, with full transparency here, I think this is more for us than for them. I mean, I do think it's it's a really nice way to verify that you are being respectful and that you're not imposing a conversation on someone who's not ready for it or doesn't desire it. But to be honest, when these when these conversations really develop the Spirit throws them in your lap and opens the door, and there is a peace, and there's a joy, and it just kind of falls into your lap. When you read the biblical narratives, you know, where the apostles or the you know, the early deacons are sharing the gospel, literally, just the things just kind of fall in their lap. And I think the last kind of prerequisite is your lens for recognizing that you should just kind of share your stories. And when I say your stories, I don't mean like your Jesus testimony when you were down on your knees and sobbing like a baby and repented of your sins. Those are valuable and there's a place for those. But I'm talking about, I'm just like sitting on the sideline. After you've done the like, okay, so which one's your kid? So what do you do for a living? I just like to ask the questions like, so what's your story? Where are you from? Like, like your life. And most people have an answer to that. 
you know, if uh, here in Nebraska, it's fun to find people living in West Omaha who have rural roots and that can sometimes be a, a great way to connect as people talk about how they grew up and their stories in that way. But when people share their stories, you get, again, a fuller picture of who they are. You also get a read on their willingness to kind of self-disclose. And when you do the same, that also helps to make you real and more of a known uh, quantity. And there's probably other kind of you know relational prerequisites, but those are the four that I kind of like mentally check off. If I haven't even at a normal level, just like the ordinary level, ask the, hey, so what's your story? If I haven't asked that, then I'm I'm not going to start. I'm not going to, unless we're on an airplane and it's going down, and I feel like it's last chance, I'm not going to dive into the Jesus thing until I have a little bit of the context of their life. And it's up to them as to how much they share. And that's part of that showing respect and interest in a relationship that instead of just blurting out your story, you show interest in somebody and say, what's your story? What brings you here tonight? I think most people want to be known. And most people do like to talk about themselves. It's just human. Yeah. I mean, part of this, honestly, is part of the context of learning to share the gospel in an everyday setting, kind of that everyday preaching that Pope Francis talks about. Part of the reason that's challenging is we don't know each other anymore. We don't converse with our neighbors. Now, praise God for the, the kind of hidden grace of COVID. I've heard so many people say like, well, I'm actually talking to my neighbors again, six feet apart, but I'm talking to my neighbors uh, again. But that's challenging oftentimes because we, we live often at a pace and in uh, a way that keeps us isolated from having real conversations. And that reclaiming just a little bit of human relationship is, again, kind of the, this foundational prerequisite to being able to share the gospel. Yeah, and again, I, I know we're not talking about the context of Alpha, but Alpha does train you these things. Yes. And I'm sorry for giving a plug for Alpha, probably in the fifth or sixth podcast in a row. It just That's what I've been studying and going through the training and practicing it. But I'm, I still reflect on what Ron Huntley said to us uh, mm-hmm. a few days ago in the podcast. And he said, like, just having friendships. And I, and I remember thinking, like, as I was driving home last night, from Alpha, like, you know what's going to happen after these 11 weeks of hanging out? We're doing it virtually. We're doing it online. and But we're sharing life together a little bit virtually. But I think we're going to be friends when this is all over. And even though we're kind of forcing ourselves into it, and I'm an introvert, so I don't naturally do this. But by the end of it, I think I'm going to really like these people. And I just thought, you know what? People are going to come back next week. I know they're going to come back. Not because the videos are so great, although they are. Not because their host, their leader is so great, but I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that great. I'm I'm all over the place. But no, it's because there's a friendship. And I I kept saying, I wonder. So one person's camera didn't work. I'm like, I wonder if next week we'll get to see her face. Like as as we begin Mm -hmm. to lift the veil of our lives to one another. Yeah. Like, is it, uh, that was how I was going to tease it for next week. Like, anybody want to tune in next week to see what Penny's face looks like? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the good teasing and friendship. And uh, yeah. by the end of it, I believe there'll be a sharing of stories and ultimately be a sharing of a story of my life with or without God and being with each other in that very tender moment. It's really beautiful how, how this is all shaping. Um, most of them are pretty devoted Catholics. So what I said to them at the end of it, I just said, I think you're all kind of understanding how this is working. You see it because they were making some comments about like, oh yeah, I 
I can see how we can invite other people to this, our friends and our family, the people who haven't been mm-hmm. going to church. And I said, it doesn't always have to be alpha. Like this is just training us how to speak a language to people that aren't Catholic, that aren't going to yes. church. Because they actually ask one of the questions is, if God does really exist, and if you could ask God a question, what question would you ask? And they avoid the word him. And they avoid the, mm-hmm. the assumption that God really exists. So entering into a conversation where you're not just making all these assumptions that people believe the same things you do, just allowing a person to tell their story without making presumptions on your part. Yeah. I mean, I know we're down a tangent here, but I can't resist. I think this is part of the genius of programs like Alpha or Christ Life or whatever is that uh, even a retreat, you know, people who serve as part of retreat teams, like a weekend retreat that that shares the gospel. What, what it does is it teaches us how to be hospitable. It teaches us how to listen. And that's a needed thing, partially because our world is more isolated and lonely than it's ever been, but also because if you've spent your life in this joyful, beautiful Christian Catholic community, we have a language, we have a culture, and that's just not where most people are at anymore. And if we're honest, that's not even where most of us in the pews are at anymore. But we have to be attentive. Part of being a missionary is almost always a relearning or a learning of a new language and a new culture. And that's what these programs teach us. They teach us how to learn language and culture and how to translate the, the timeless truth of Jesus Christ into the language of those who are receiving it. Yeah, I honestly think some of these people someday will not need to invite people to Alpha, but they've been trained through Alpha so much that they can do everyday preaching on their own because they learn the, the yeah. language, they learn the system, the relational prerequisites, as, as you call them. Yeah, and let's go over them again, that, they're, that you have a real relationship. <laughs> yeah, trust and respect, a real relationship. Probably you should have had several small talk conversations. Uh, number two, you need to be talking to Jesus about this person in prayer before and more than you're talking to them about Jesus. You want to ask for permission. Do you mind if I share about what God's done in my life sometime? That sometime is key. You're just asking for permission to share. And then you should probably have shared your story and even more important, heard their story before you you kind of jump in to the conversation about Jesus. Amen. Are you doing this right now? Are you practicing the, Are you practicing what you preach, Jim? Well, yes and no. So I do frequently get the opportunity in some of the contexts you, know, you talk about in a retreat or even you know even a meeting of people who work for the church if I'm joining a parish staff I do often get the context set up for me to be able to share the gospel in a clear way but yes I do get the opportunity am I am I able though to share the gospel in the context of uh, friendships right now no cuz that's actually just total transparency where my life is at right now is I'm in the process of developing new friendships you know, having recently moved, entered a, a new parish, I'm, I'm still trying to make friends. And boy, it's hard to make friends as adults. I mean, not that, you know, not that kids would necessarily say it's easy to make friends on the playground, but I have a very narrow window of opportunity to catch adults. And so sideline conversations at sporting events 
and the 15 minutes hanging out in the foyer after mass are just priceless for me to try and develop friendships. And I'm not there yet where I feel like I've got very many uh, relationships with trust and respect and where I've had an opportunity to have even the small talk where it feels appropriate to share, uh, to start the conversation about Jesus. I wish it were the case, but it's not. Now you've shared stuff with me. You're in a South Omaha parish and that's, that's your home parish. It's where I grew up. Yep. And the struggle to really enter into that culture, into those other families and, and really feeling like you belong and not that they're bad people, but do you ever wonder like, is it because maybe they think you're a Bible thumper? Like they know you work for the archdiocese. Oh, you're the focus missionary. Like he's probably just here to see if we'll <laughs> um, go to mass with them or something like that. <laughs> could be, could be. Yeah. I have to be honest. It Sometimes you write in moments of self-doubt, it crosses your mind. It's like, is it just me? Does anybody want to be my friend? Uh, a lot of it is, you know, th- St. Bernadette's, we're a close-knit community. Many, many of the parishioners there are multi-generational. They've been there for, for many years. And like both the schools that are really tied to the St. Bernadette parish community, both our parish school, St. Bernadette's, and Gross Catholic, literally we share a property line. So many people were, again, they've been on sports teams together since they were six and all the way up and all the way through high school, and now their kids are on the same sports teams. So it can be hard for outsiders to enter in, probably not unlike the experience that some people have in our small towns. Yeah, there's a great book called One Size Does Not Fit All that has to do with uh, different size parishes have different mm. ways of uh, doing hospitality and, and evangelization, essentially. And usually the smaller type of church, tall, smaller parish, is kind of they call it like a one-cell and it's really mm-hmm. hard to get into that one cell and because it's, it's, it's just a really tight knit and, and emphasis on tight. Like it's just hard yeah. to get in. And the only way you can really get in is if you have the right name, meaning like you marry in or if you're <laughs> yeah. useful. And so people often find, because I have these, we call, uh, Deacon McNeil used to call them uh, church basement conversations. Like you <sighs> sit down in the church basement and you talk about what's wrong with our parish and what can we do better? Church basement conversations. Bad coffee out of styrofoam cups. Yeah, burned coffee. <laughs> under under fluorescent lights. Yeah, and everybody's just sort of shooting from the hip and, and uh, well, I don't, this is what's wrong with us. And this is, you know. <laughs> the kids these days. <laughs> yeah. And the, those evangelicals, all they do is entertain. And like, oh, I don't know if that's it. Like, this, but anyway, the uh, the experience of the the people who are having these conversations about their parish is many times on the inside. It's awesome. Once you're on the inside, it is great. Oh, you're loved, and everybody brings you casseroles if you twist your ankle. Yeah. Yeah, but there's other people in these groups, like a parish council or here at St. Thomas More. We had a good conversation about this the other day. Because they really said the strength of their parish is community. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, let's take a look at that. Let's, what do we mean by that? So the people who have been here forever, totally, yes, the community, the tight-knit experience, it's awesome. But then mm-hmm. there's a few others on the parish council who said, I'm in there now, but it wasn't so easy. And the only way I could get in is if I made myself useful. So I got involved and that's how I got in. And so... Again, you could say, well, if people want to feel like they're on the inside, they're going to have to start helping out. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right attitude, but leave it to me to take us down a tangent. But to get back to our point, um, you have experienced a difficulty as an adult 
doing mm-hmm. this in, in, in the the adult world. Pretty outgoing adult too. Yeah, you're outgoing. Communication is one of your strengths. You were a focus missionary for 20 years. You you had tremendous fruitful success as a college missionary. I mean, some of our priests today are people who you helped disciple. It's amazing. And then you go to St. Bernadette's and it's like, crap. <laughs> like, what happened to my mojo? Like, you know, I, so first off, I feel an obligation now to give a shout out to my friends at St. Bernadette's. I'm thinking particularly of Jackie Kamichek, who brought us the most amazing food uh, when we welcomed our youngest child uh, a few years ago. But I mean, Father, yeah, I, as I process that, I do feel not to over-spiritualize over it, but I think there's a gift. If it were easy for me to make friends and connect with people and get into people's lives and start sharing the gospel and, you know, make all these waves and impact in my parish, I, I don't know. I can't imagine maybe what an what a arrogant jerk I might be, but I feel the pain of how hard it is to make friends and to find your place and to contribute. Working the festival, working the uh, spaghetti dinner, those things are great, but there are particular gifts that I desire to offer. One of those being friendship. I, I don't just want to receive friendship. I want to offer that friendship. But oftentimes, our, you know, our parishes, it can be difficult for people who have a heart for the Lord, who want to see more for their parishes. It can be difficult for them to figure out their place. And I think the Lord is blessing me with an experience that helps to make me merciful and patient for, I think, probably the experience of many of our listeners. Um, They're leaders in their parishes, but sometimes a desire to share the gospel, a desire for more for your parish, whether you're a pastor or whether you're just a member, I think the Lord, sometimes it's it's like that prophetic call. You know, we've been hearing from Jeremiah, some of the other prophets. It can also be a little bit of a lonely experience, And I just recognize that I'm sharing in something that is a very common experience with a lot of our listeners and a lot of other good people around the archdiocese and and our country. And I just wussed out for me, for my personal experience, I wussed out in in that I just invited my friend to Alpha. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I didn't know that. I couldn't do it on my own. Well, it it was just, uh, we were old friends from grade school and just investing in the relationship Mm -hmm. and having breakfast at Lisa's Radial Cafe couple times a year and get into the openness and curiosity. And, you know, he's doing the best he can trying to grow, um, but maybe a little lost too. No big deal. Like a lot of us, but, uh, but also I'm feeling really uncomfortable. Like, well, when do I just spring in this, you know, like Jesus yeah. loves you. Like when, when do I, th- and I'm like, well, I don't, how about I just invite him to alpha and let the Holy spirit do the rest of the work. That's not a bad strategy. <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, you're pointing out how helpful these contexts are and how challenging it is when we have cultures, whether it be internal or external to our faith communities, that don't support the sharing of the gospel. So when somebody actually shows up voluntarily to an alpha or a retreat or a small group or a youth group, we're like, holy cow, it says so much about their disposition and their receptivity that it really, it puts us at ease to start conversations that otherwise feel terribly awkward. Last night after Alpha, I did, so I did mine online, and then I went over to St. Thomas More. They were just finishing their in-person one, so I ran into a few people, and one lady from St. Joan of Arc, 
who's a mom here at St. Joan of Arc School, she, she just said, oh, this was wonderful. This was awesome. I'm going to be inviting two or three of my girlfriends to the next session. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's awesome. You know, never really feeling equipped to be able to do it on our own. Yeah. But I, again, that's not to say like, well, whatever Jim is saying about everyday preaching is, well, just we don't need it because we can just invite people to Alpha. That's not the point of this podcast. The point right. is Alpha can teach us a lot of things. We would love to be able to not have to use Alpha but it certainly does help. Yeah. But why can't we, because uh, maybe somebody might not say yes to alpha, like uh, alpha is that cult thing, isn't it? Or, you know, that's that weird sort of not Catholic thing. So it might not be the thing to invite people to. Uh, it, maybe eventually some people will say no. So at the end of the day, we still have to be equipped to do everyday preaching. Right. What we're talking about here is an ideal, right? An ideal where every individual Christian, every individual Catholic, like they are a conversion engine, that they build relationships, they help people feel uh, at home and received, and when the time is right, in conversation, they share the gospel in a clear and explicit way. I can tell you, I, I had a real conversion to this, and there were a number of things without going totally into it. Part of it was I was actually studying what the church taught about evangelization at the time as part of a master's program. And something that John Paul II said, uh, he said, he was talking about the stages of evangelization, kind of the relationship building, the wordless witness. Uh, he was talking about, you know, the formation of people in a sacramental life. And he's talking about these parts of the process of evangelization. But then he said, proclamation, this sharing of the gospel, Proclamation is the hinge on which all evangelization turns. And I realized, even though my business card said missionary, I was actually afraid to share the gospel. I was ashamed to share the gospel. I, I loved all the relationship building stuff, and I loved catechizing people. But the one thing I didn't feel comfortable doing was talking to people about Jesus, asking them like where they stood with Jesus, if they, if they wanted to make a decision for him, if they were willing to entrust themselves to him. Man, that was radically uncomfortable uh, to me. And I was really convicted by that and a number of other places where the church makes it clear that the heart of evangelization is the proclamation of the life, death, and promises of Jesus Christ. So that was a big part of it. Intellectually, I couldn't weasel my way out of it anymore. And I was just blessed to have a number of other missionary friends who didn't have the same hangups as I did. And they would just do it in conversation. They'd be like, hey, man, where are you with God? They'd preach the gospel and they'd invite people like, he loves you. Come on, like, just let him in. And they, they had all these beautiful stories. And you know, competition is in my Gallup top five. And I got jealous. I'm like, what the crap? Like these are, I want those stories. And I remember the first time I made a decision. And, and this was, again, this was a little bit of a formal context, but I made a decision like, okay, I'm going to preach the gospel. And so I, I was given a talk and I made a very clear proclamation of the gospel. And there's this young man who stuck around afterwards and everybody else was sticking around and they were like actually like standing in line. They were like talking to me and we're having a conversation. And this guy was like clearly sticking around waiting for me, but head down in the front row, making no eye contact whatsoever. So as the room clears, I kind of go up to him and I sit down and I'm like, hey man, what's up? 
It's like, well, I was listening to your talk and I, I realized you were kind of talking to me. And as we talked just for a little bit, he had been praying that morning and it happened to be the same scripture verse that I made the kind of turning point in, in my talk. And he said, I read it this morning and I didn't, I didn't know what it meant, but now I think I do. And literally, I'm, I know I'm violating all of the relational prerequisites at this point because <laughs> I don't even know the guy's name yet. And I'm like, okay, could you honestly say that Jesus is number one in your life? And he kind of shakes his head no. And it's like, would you like him to be? And he shakes his head really emphatically, yes. I'm like, would you like to pray right now that Jesus would be the center of your life? And again, he shakes his head emphatically, yes. I'm like, oh crap. I mean, oh, oh good. And, and so I just led him through a really simple prayer, right? All of my kind of Catholic catechism back to being, I mean, I was a missionary, but you know, it, it wasn't that different from doing the act of contrition. I was like, all right, just follow me. Jesus, I'm, I'm here and I'm a sinner and I know that you love me and I want to start over. And then he kind of said in my own words, and I give you the keys to my life. Uh, you can, you can drive. It's you're, you're in charge. And I want you to walk with me every day and give me the grace to walk with you. Amen. And, you know, we get done and he's crying and I'm crying and I don't remember whether I got his name earlier or I got his name later. Uh, amazing story. We happen to have a mutual friend in common that was a missionary. And so I was able to make a connection. And it was this very cool moment. I, we actually stayed in touch for, for many years. We haven't talked for quite a while. But it was this cool moment where for the first time, I actually saw the power of sharing the good news in a clear and explicit way. And basically, you just repeated the lyrics from Carrie Underwood's Jesus Take the Wheel? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, dang, now the secret sauce is out. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't actually. I was not a Carrie Underwood fan at the time. I actually can't deny that I have been to a concert, but it was with my 14-year-old daughter. Uh, but I have been to a Carrie Underwood concert. You're inviting someone. You're saying Jesus is Lord, and would you like to make him your Lord? Yeah, because here's the fascinating thing. The context is that young man was at a uber Catholic conference. He had gone to confession the night before. He had been to adoration the night before. He was in a Bible study. What he had never done is made a conscious decision in faith to say, Jesus, I give myself to you. Like, I belong to you. You're in charge. I want you I want you to run my life because I know I keep screwing it up. It was that intentional gift of self that was really the key. I mean, this guy became a rock star in the way he impacted his peers. I mean, he it's you know it's hard enough to like start a small group. He started multiple small groups with different friend groups that he had. I mean, he was really, really amazing. And again, through nothing, really nothing that I did, that clear proclamation of the gospel and the invitation to make a decision and to, to let go unlocked something in his life. And, and I think I've seen it again and again and again in those who've, who've been in, you know, faithful, even I would say at some level, fruitful Catholics, man, you hit another gear when you make a decision to really let God in and, and give him the keys. 
did you just make another car reference? <laughs> it took the wheel, it took another gear, but I understand yeah, what I you're saying. But I, I think, yes, you, what you're pointing out here to me is there's the proclamation of the gospel, but you can also help people, invite people to make a decision. You can pray yeah. with them through that. Again, you didn't plan this. It wasn't like you woke up in the morning, like, oh, I'm going to pick this guy out. Like, no, it just, it was put in your lap. Mm-hmm. Now, part, again, you said you were at the conference, you were speaking, but mm-hmm. really the Holy Spirit was speaking through you because not everybody stayed around for you to talk to them, but this one guy did. Yep. So the Holy Spirit really was arranging all of this. And I think that's the other important point to make when it comes to everyday preaching is the Holy Spirit is ultimately in charge. Yes. And I do find that when I, when I see other good evangelical Catholics, they're very open to the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. And they kind of start their day off. Lord, whatever adventure you want to take us on, however you want to speak to me, whatever you need to say to somebody else through me, I, I, you take the wheel, right? Yeah. You speak through me. So that real letting go of any constraints and just letting the Holy Spirit speak, I think that's a good prayer to start off the day. And those are the stories that like hit me in the head of just when yeah. clear it wasn't planned and it's just really clear that the Holy Spirit is speaking and it's not something we can try, but we want to be in the right place. We want to have the, we want to put our hearts in the right place to right. allow the Holy Spirit to do that. But it really, for those who have not experienced this, absolutely you want to think through, okay, do I have the relational credibility here? You know, have I kind of checked off my prerequisites? Have I been praying for them? But it really is the spirit who does the work of evangelization, who does the heavy lifting. And sometimes you just kind of find yourself in that zone. And what I want to do is I just want to maybe give one other kind of, I like to call it the golden question. It's a question that you can ask that allows you to step into that moment. And again, you you often know the moment, not that you're not going to be nervous and that there's not going to be self-doubts and whispers, but the spirit has set it up. And so I, I think there's there's two questions. The first is just the real simple, like, so where are you with God? And that could just be as simple as that, just saying that in conversation. Sometimes, you know, if you if you're in a coffee shop or whatever, you got a napkin, sometimes people draw circles and you can draw three different circles. You know, here's you. And you draw a little cross and Jesus is on the outside of your life. And second circle, Jesus is a part of your life. And he's like kind of on, on the periphery of the circle. And then you draw the third circle. It's like, okay, boom, cross is right in the middle. Jesus is at the center of my life. You know, where, where are you with God? That's a really important question, but it's not the golden question. The golden question is, where do you want to be? And again, I've, I've got a story here. I you know, had an opportunity at a time in my life when I was being convicted that the Lord was asking me to do this. I was in relationship with this girl, Lisa. She was, again, part of a class that I was teaching. This girl was, man, really involved in her faith, in the choir, in Bible studies, in everything. And, you know, we just had this simple conversation. It's like, all right, so where are you at with God? And I had kind of drawn out those those circles, and here's a little like pro tip. No Catholic that I've ever met says, oh, Jesus is the center of my life. I don't know if Mother Teresa would say, oh, Jesus, well, she would. But most most Catholics are like, oh, he's a part of my life. And they're just kind of like, I'm not a saint yet, which is probably a, a good, humble in, instinct. Um, that's why that question isn't the most important. The question is, where do you want him to be? And so when I asked Lisa that question, it's like, okay, well, where do you want to be? 
And she kind of gestures to that, you know, Jesus is the center of my life circle. She's like, I mean, I want him to be the center of my life, I guess. An astute listener that I am, I paused and I kind of tilted my head. I said, you guess? And then it just kind of tumbled out of her. She's like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just anxious. What if he makes me be a nun? And blah, 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 you know, just all of these anxieties and fears just kind of poured out of her. And you're literally, you're going to make fun of me again. I, don't, I didn't realize I preached the gospel with car analogies so often. <laughs> but I was like, Lisa. She was a, an underclassman at the time. It's like, you know, all those seniors, and I just named some women that I knew she admired. She's like, you know, the only real difference between you and them is they've handed Jesus the keys. And, and I kind of gestured towards the chapel. It's like, you know where he's at? Like, go talk to him. And if you can, just say like, okay, Jesus, I want you to drive. And let me know how it goes. And she came back the next week and she was all fired up. She's like, okay, I did it, I did it, I did it, now what? And I was able to connect her to someone who could be kind of a mentor in her life. And it opened up crazy new horizons for her. I mean, literally, this woman started doing hardcore prison ministry. I mean, she would go to the maximum security prison and lead Bible studies. And the women would show up every time. What she did was amazing. And it all, in, in many ways, started with an invitation for her to give herself in a clear and an explicit way to the Lord. And the golden question, where do you want to be? That's what did it. And then actually paying attention when there was clear hesitation and anxiety about entrusting herself to the Lord. Yeah it's important, again, you proclaim the gospel, but then you can also be the one who invites somebody to make a decision. And that's the golden question. You know, where do you want him to be? I've been reflecting on an alpha training that I went through recently in preparation for, for leading a group. And they were talking about the weekend away, the Holy Spirit weekend away. And alpha is really designed for people who are unchurched, people who have not been in church in a long time or ever. And so they really recommended before you uh, ask someone to, to uh, invite the Holy Spirit into their lives, it's instructed that they would first ask them, would, would you like to make Jesus the center of your life? Mm-hmm. And to really pray them into that. Would you like to pray to make Jesus the center of your life? Mm-hmm. And then they would do the Holy Spirit stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's not a safe assumption, no matter how long somebody's been coming to church. So let me suggest some action steps, just little baby steps here. Uh, first, I mean, kind of alluded to it earlier, but just begin to pray over those who you're in relationship with, that their faith journey, you know, that where the Lord has them, that he would begin to show you if there's someone that he desires you to share the good news with. Just just ask him to kind of show you, and and he will. You'll start to hear conversations differently. You'll start to, to recognize little hints of, of pain and doubt and seeking voiced in conversations. And that's a sign that the Lord is listening to your prayer and beginning to show you where he might want you to enter. And the second, we can put this on the, uh, put this on the, on the website, all of this really is an overflow of our own relationship with the Lord. When we're sharing the good news, we're, we're sharing really like our own experience of hope and peace and joy. We can talk about, you know, the specific content of the gospel. Oftentimes I like to use the four R's, relationship, ruin, restore, and respond. We could do a whole podcast on that sometime. But the, there's a little worksheet that just invites 
uh, kind of walks you through the the process of reflecting on how that gospel are, are being made for relationship and sin ruining that and Jesus's restoration and our own response, just to reflect on how that shows up in our life, because it shows up again and again and again. And even when we've entrusted ourselves to the Lord, there's always this kind of daily uh, acceptance of the cross, this daily entrustment that whether it's really explicit or conscious or not, continues to happen. So that worksheet could be really helpful to kind of reflect on. And what's beautiful is the Lord knows how to bring the right people together at the right time. And it's always a trap for us to project our story onto other people. But we shouldn't be surprised when there's a rhyme between our story and what he's doing in the lives of others. Because we can say, oh, my gosh, like, I, I've i been there. I know that, and this is what the Lord did for me. All right. So we got some baby steps we can check out in the show notes. Yeah. And let us know how it goes. Send us an email if you have a great adventure. If you step into any conversations, let us know. I think it would be good to, you know, you might listen to this now and then obviously we move on to the next podcast because that's what I do with a lot of podcasts. It's just like, I can't, like, I want to read this book or I want to go try this thing out. So this might be one you want to re-listen to later on. Just put it somewhere in your calendars. Like, hey, what about friendships again? What, I mean, when it really mm-hmm. comes down to it, brass tacks, as I started the, started mm-hmm. this podcast, I'm like, it comes down to it. It's everyday preaching that Christians do that will change the world. And because Jesus yeah. changes the world through them. So it's, I mean, again, Alpha's great and all the other programs that we've mentioned, but it's, it has to be um, something that we're, we get better at as, as Catholics, that, that we really let the Holy Spirit take the keys uh, mm-hmm. to our daily lives and do the everyday preaching that he wants to happen through us, through the church. And I, I just know so often I hear him in the podcasts that I listen to, like, I just move on to the next podcast. I think, well, I'd love to get back to that someday, but I don't have time and I, I got more stuff to learn. And, but this one might be the one where you actually say, I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to do yeah. one thing this week and just invest in a relationship or take that one baby step. Try it out. Let us know. All right. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Again, if you have not yet subscribed, you can find us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Equip Cast, all one word. And you can find the show notes and subscribe to the blog at equip.archomaha.org. God bless. Mm-hmm.